Hello and welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast. I am your host, Luke McLean. This is the show where I interview experts on all things mental health and well-being, from strategies you can learn like mindfulness, deep breathing and cold showers, to people with lived experience like myself who have lived with mental illness and or addiction and open up about their pain to share what has helped and hindered them to provide you with motivation and inspiration to live the best life you can. So let's take the power of our minds back and live a healthier and happier life. Today's guest is a hybrid of laser-like practicality and cutting-edge visionary insight. Scott Schwenk has been catalyzing the inner evolution and leadership development of individuals, relationships, and larger groups and organizations for over 25 years. His work and teaching is a blend of stillness, unexpected expansion, laughter, discovery, and potent actionable insights revealing dynamic inner freedom and a thriving outer life. He left me with a headache because my mind was absolutely blown, but I left the conversation with Scott fully trusting the process of rediscovering myself via breathwork and meditation. I feel truly honored and grateful to have had the chance to sit down with Scott and pick his brain. I hope you find it just as amazing. Let's get stuck into the chat with Scott just after hearing from today's sponsor. Is there something interfering with your happiness or that's preventing you from achieving your goals? For me personally, I battled a gambling addiction, depression and anxiety for many, many years, always trying to fix things myself and I didn't let anyone help me, which resulted in more pain and the cycle just continuously repeating itself. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your very own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours, and it's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it is professional counselling done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counsellor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, which is a great way to keep up with therapy while this coronavirus pandemic is around. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counsellors if need be. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a healthier, happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash mind over matter. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Mind Over Matter listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash mind over matter. So Scott, thanks so much for joining me on the show, mate. And I'm really looking forward to this. And and even just in the the pre-interview chat, I mean, it's it's already got my mind ticking. So I'm really looking forward to it. So thanks for joining me, mate. Happy to be here. Now we were just talking about the current situation. So you're you've been in isolation now for about three weeks in in LA. What's the yeah. situation over there? And and what what sort of things are you noticing? Well. I'm noticing that people who have strong minds, like a strong constitution, seem to be thriving, immediately finding new ways of, of enacting routines 
or versions of routines at home. Um, like on my end, I ordered weights right away. The moment we saw, I was watching Westworld, the current Westworld premiere with some friends. And that was the weekend one of the beginning of quarantine. And uh, the news popped up, a news article from the LA Times saying that the mayor had just closed all gyms along with other things. And so I immediately, while we're watching the show, went on Amazon and ordered, um, you know, a stack of weights. Yeah. Not that I really wanted to spend that money, but (laughs) so that I could know that fitness is one of the places I work out my stuff and I get my best ideas when I'm, when I'm exercising. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think we've noticed that over here as well. We, we probably didn't pick it up as, as quick as what you did, but we've just managed to get a barbell at home and, and a couple of dumbbells. We've got the scraps, I think. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. What about, um, what about connection? Like, is it, is it something that you're finding easy or what's, what's the go there? No, no. I live alone. Um, I haven't been touched or hugged since those fellas that I was watching Westworld with that premiere. And for me, I'm an extrovert, even though I'm, I'm, I'm an introverted extrovert, I guess you could say, like I require solo time for my practices and to go deep inside and process, but man, to see friends that I love and have to say six feet apart, there's a physical sensation in my chest. It like aches. Um, and I'm taking it as a learning opportunity, but man, it's not easy. It's not easy. I feel for people who haven't got some developed inner skill sets yet. Like if I'm challenged, what are people who haven't done any meditation or therapeutic work dealing with? Um, and there's the thing about like walking. I go on these epic two, three hour walks, usually every night or late afternoon, early evening. And it's interesting. There's so many things I'm seeing about this experience. One of which is what it's like to be consistently looked at as a dangerous other. As, a, as a, a white male, I don't generally get looked at as a dangerous other. So I haven't had to walk around with that feeling. You know, the thing that makes me a minority being a gay man isn't like something on my, you know, you don't know unless you know. So the experience of, of being marginalized and projected on so heavily as a possible dangerous other just passing down amongst trees on a gravel path trying to smile at people and have them look away or frown or like that yeah personally it's a lot yeah must be tough i mean things i've noticed and and i don't know whether it's whether when i'm in a good frame of mind or whether i'm in a i guess more of a negative frame of mind i feel feel like when i'm when i'm feeling okay when i'm when i'm going well and i'm walking along i feel people are friendlier in this in this um state but then it's very quick to to be able to flip and yeah people are dodging and, and not trying to look at you and get your dog away from mine and all of that kind of stuff but it's it's a very interesting time that that's for sure and Look, a lot of your work is is about waking people up, about growing up, cleaning up, showing up. And it's obviously very, very valuable work. And I'm really keen to dive into some of that stuff. But how did you get into that work and what's motivating you um, to continue it? You could say that I was set up, born into it. Um partially because of being such a sensitive kid who could feel the flies farting in India. 
You know, I could feel what any person was feeling, but I didn't know then that's what was going on. And I didn't know whose feelings I was feeling and also could hear inside of people. And it wasn't until I think it was May, 2003, when I first encountered the breath work, 2002 or 2003, 2003. Yeah. And I had never really heard the word clairaudient before. I just thought everybody heard a voice. And ever since I was a kid, it would, it would say often what somebody was going to say right before they said it. Like adults were not really good at lying to me, which as a kind of an intense Capricorn kid, you know, if I sensed I was being lied to, I would act out at that babysitter's house to get kicked out of there because I didn't trust him. That was so just your, what, that was your normal. I mean, if you were just yeah. expecting other people, just that's what it was like. Yeah. And I, I grew up expecting people to tell me the truth. I grew up expecting to people to be honest. Like I, I just did. And a lot of my life has been learning to understand that people are living in a wide spectrum of development and to be able to notice that more clearly. So I relate to people where they're at and I don't expect what's too far above their pay grade or too below it. Mm. So let's get, I mean, that, that kind of blows my mind a little bit just about thinking, I guess it's, it's taking empathy to, a million a million times and and being able to to feel that but you know was that difficult as a child to to process yeah totally totally and i was an only child um and when i was seven my parents announced they were splitting up so my normal which wasn't super normal <laughs> was suddenly shattered and I, like many kids, was not born to enlightened parents. So not only am I feeling my pain about the separation, but I'm feeling whatever they're feeling with no filter to choose at any given moment. So how did you process that then? <laughs> a lot of it, I think I waited till I was an adult and found some good help. <laughs> yeah. I've never not as an adult had somebody I was working with very, very short periods where I was in between some sort of a facilitator or a gifted somatic therapist or something, but I've always been in some sort of a mentorship. So as I got a little older, I was already in the YMCA. And back then there was a very strong leadership development program in the YMCA that starts for preteens um, called the Leaders Core. And I was deep involved in that, went to the Leaders School in Colorado and um, when I hit seventh grade, yeah, I was in a new school. I moved back with my mom and my mom was in training and development. So she started handing me the books that she was reading. The first thing she handed me when I came back was Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. And then it was things like how to swim with the sharks without being eaten alive and all sorts of things. And then I was off and running. I was looking for the next book and new age bookshops were starting to open. So that's where I wanted her to take me on the weekends and started meditating and trying out self-hypnosis and was able to experience some degree of past life regression, started doing it for kids in school and it seemed to work. Mm. What, was, what was driving that, uh, I guess, 
wanting to, to wanting to learn and, and wanting to, to grow? What was really driving that then for you? Knowing that there was something more, something fascinating that people weren't talking about and or aware of that I could mm. sense. Like I just knew that there was more than just the standard kind of chock-a-block like, excuse my French, but find somebody you can tolerate sleeping with long enough that you call it a relationship, put a ring on it, make babies, work hard, retire and die. All the while trying to buy and sell things. Like that to me was not a life. I didn't know what the other options were, but I knew there had to be something better than that. Yeah, for sure. And we spoke about this just before we actually jumped onto the show, but we we briefly spoke about how with all of this uncertainty going on with COVID-19, there's this, I feel that there is this sense of people starting to question things that, you know, maybe there is more to just having to work my nine to five and and all of that type of thing, because we almost get into a sense of, you know, it's Monday morning. I now have this to do. And then, you know, each day we've kind of got what we're expected to, to do. Um, but I feel that that's maybe shifting a little bit and people are starting to wake up a little bit and start to question, well, what is really important to me? What, you know, what do I, who do I want to be? What do I want to be doing? And and for people that are forced to essentially not go to work and stay home, they're having to think about, well, how do I want to spend my time and and all of that? So I feel like that there is this little bit of a, a sense of people starting to to think a little bit more around that. So how, I mean, obviously you you started a started that journey a long time ago. Any recommendations on what people can do to start exploring that? Yeah, keep it simple at first. That's probably simple. a good idea, I think. Really simple, small, scalable steps. So something small could be like starting with an app called the Mindfulness Bell. I don't own it. It's 99 cents in the app store. And all it does is it, it rings a, a like a Tibetan bell kind of sound at, at certain intervals. And if all a person did would download that, set it to go off at random, three to five times an hour and take a simple deep breath in and exhale the energy of thinking and tension and soften as much of the body with the imagination as one can, like opening fists with the mind, that alone would change a lot of lives. Do you think that a man can grow? Do you think that people just like listening to that though, just think that it's too simple. That's not going to do anything. Is that well, why people don't do it? They can think all they want. Here's the thing is thinking about pizza is not going to put a pizza in the house. So what I would say is try something out for long enough to get some experience and let the, let the results be your teacher about what you want to tweak. And then I would go back to what is it you say you really want? That's the first question I always ask a client. Mm -hmm. What is it you really want? And then, from there, we can grow something. I was going to say, do you find that when you ask clients that question that they don't know, they actually don't know what they want? Depends on how much inner work they've already done before. So yeah. once in a while, I'll get somebody. I can think of a guy who's, who's become gone from client now to a student of mine. And uh, when he first started working with me the first couple of months, 
he really struggled with that question. He was like, I don't know what I want. And so we had to do some work and that's where I would just put him on the table and get into the breath work because that would bypass the ordinary mind. And then he would start to sense a reality that wasn't his thoughts because he had a, he had a, a mask that he walked around in life with that he didn't realize called I'm confused. And his I'm confused was a way to avoid taking responsibility. It was, it, it, it seemed to help him at an earlier stage in life as a kid, but not as an adult. It was, but he didn't, he didn't see it. It was like a blind spot until it got illuminated. So the other thing I'd recommend are, you know, there's some simple books out there that really, if you read it slowly and mindfully, it makes a huge difference. The Untethered Soul, really potent one that I recommend highly. Thanks for sharing that. And I think, um, yeah, I'd, I really want to be able to explore some of the work that you're doing now, um, particularly around, I guess, breath work and the meditation space. I mean, I know it'd be a simple, um, simple question that I could ask of, well, how can people start? But I assume that it is different for everyone, is it? Yes and no. So the body is the first reality, and, and this is kind of the lens that I start this five-day breathwork course that people can do on demand. The day one is the body is the first reality. Like I can, I can touch my body. I can, I, can, I can feel if my hands are tense. I can feel if my jaw is clenched. So the way into meditation or the way into contemplation or the way into being able to be more intimate with my partner and myself is releasing tension and deepening my breath. It's very simple and concrete. In fact, the most advanced instructions for later stage practice are very similar to the, the instructions for beginners. All we're doing, Luke, throughout this whole process is recognizing and dissolving, regularly dissolving, gross, subtle, and, and hidden tension patterns. So a gross tension pattern is like, you know, I was hit by a car as a pedestrian, I don't know, 15 so or so years ago, no longer, like 18 years ago, on the right side. And I will catch in deep meditation my right shoulder pulling itself up towards my ear. And so I keep coaching it down and coaching it down for years until one day maybe it won't happen again. It's actually very reduced. So that's an example of something I can see. Now, what I might not think about until somebody points it out is that having a desire for something that's not now happening sets up a tension pattern. Right? Like wanting the pandemic to not be here when it clearly is, is setting up a tension pattern that I'm then probably inflicting on my environment as well as myself until I can see it. And that's a leap for a lot of people if they haven't done any sort of self-inquiry to go, wait a minute, I can actually accept what is. And then from there, I've released enough tension that I could see what's possible and actually make a difference. Accepting doesn't mean I'm saying I'm going to stay here and plant a stake, but it's to stop creating tension about what is. Then there's space in my nervous system. The more space there is in my nervous system, the more intuition is available and creative thinking outside the box. Yeah. This is really making my mind tick. It's, it's because I feel personally 
you know, I've been doing quite a fair bit of work within breath work and, and meditation over the last couple of years, and it has been sporadic at times, but I feel that when all of this came up, that I just thought differently about it than what a lot of people around me were thinking. Um, and, and I, you know, I didn't really know why I didn't really know why it didn't stress me as much. I didn't really know why, you know, I was able to, to almost just accept the situation a little bit more. Um, but that makes a lot of sense what you were, you were just saying, but the other thing it's hard to do is then pass that on to someone else because they need to do the work themselves. Um, something very important i cannot pass on to you something like this Mm. if i have not realized some of the fruit of it within myself there's a beautiful sanskrit word called adhikara a-d-h-i-k-a-r-a kara means maker so it's it's what gives somebody the authority to teach or the or the or the permission to learn something and permission to teach is traditionally understand you don't teach it you can't transmit it directly if you haven't experienced the fruit of it or been told to teach it by somebody who has and you can't take it there's plenty of places you can go and get a lot of information about wakefulness but are you having a direct experience of a shift in consciousness while interacting with that person that's the sweet sauce otherwise it's just more concepts which creates more tension because i know i'm not there yet but i know what's possible in my thoughts and now i'm like tense about it and i'm grasping yeah Absolutely, mate. Uh, look, let's let's talk about a couple of different things that you're doing uh, right now. So you're you're running live sessions, um, and that's twice a week. Yeah, twice a week that are mine, and then there's a few platforms coming online that I'll be joining in with. Uh, one is Kula Yoga out of New York City. They have three studios that opened after 9/11. Um, there's another platform which name I cannot remember yet. Um, Unfortunately, they do not get a, a plug. But <laughs> No, no. I have a Wednesday class and a Friday class that are live at noon uh, Los Angeles time mm-hmm. on Wednesdays and Fridays by donation. No one turned away for lack of funds. And then they're recorded so that people can do them at a later time when they're actually available if they're not available for the live. And it's just yeah. as potent. Beautiful. So what, what will they gain essentially from, from joining these sessions? Well, so the Wednesday class is for sitting meditation, tantric meditation. So I always open with some sort of a talk about skill sets or awarenesses that are relevant and timely, both to navigating the real life moments that are up now, as well as entering meditation. They're not different skill sets. And then the Friday class is breath work. So what people will progressively get is a lot of repetition about how to soften the body as a way to open up the nervous system and open up intuition, as well as some sort of an energy boost. If there's receptivity, there's an energy boost. This is what students keep saying again and again. There's a felt something that seems to have a half-life that they walk away from each session with. And that something is what really helps a person see something they haven't seen before that makes a difference. Wonderful. That sounds good, mate. Now, I also want to, to talk about um, your ex- ecstatic breathwork course. Um, a little bit around what people can uh, essentially benefit from, from taking the course. Um, but also, I, I mean, I've read 
quite a few comments from people talking about doing work with you and also undertaking this course and you know talking about how impactful it was for them and you know how awakened they they have been essentially from just doing one session with you um you're the real deal you know i've read some pretty amazing comments mate but how does how does the ecstatic breathwork course work well essentially it's built on this this understanding that hyperoxygenating the body helps to shift the nervous system and fundamentally one of those shifts is upgrading or toning up that's the, the the fancy terminology toning up the vagus nerve which runs along the back of the ears through the neck and wanders down into the center of the chest into the gut you are imprinted with the tone of your mother's vagus nerve at your birth that tone determines how resilient or not you are how toned up or not your autoimmune response is so a toned up vagus nerve somebody can deal with intense situations and move through them with skill and and not have to crumble somebody with a way toned down the more it's toned down you're dealing with anxiety depression um, overthinking OCD all sorts of things and low autoimmune response so the, some of the top things for toning up the vagus nerve are exposure to extreme cold, cryotherapy, ice baths, cold showers, diaphragmatic breathing, so ecstatic breath work, laughing, and making sound in this region. So we do all of that in the course, and I go over this in the course. There's a part where I have you laugh out loud in each session, not because it's simply amusing, but it actually shakes up the diaphragm muscle and softens it so you can get a deeper extension of the lungs and working with sound and the laughter can move energy a lot faster than a cry often. And so what, what sort of results are people getting from, from doing this type of work with you then? They're learning to get out of their head and start to deal with energy where it is, as opposed to a story about the energy. That sounds pretty Most good to me. Down in the body. Say that again. I just said it sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> sounds very, very good, mate. I um, I think, I mean, essentially, you know, I've been, as I mentioned, I've been doing a lot of breath work without understanding why. <laughs> and it's part of the, you know, I'm very much personally wanting to explore the, the science and the, and the methods and, and the, the reasons why. But one thing that I've noticed without asking really questions about well, why am I doing this is the benefits of being a lot more calm and, and being a lot more alert um, and a lot more benefits that I've noticed without asking the questions. So yeah, learning that, learning that is, is why you're doing it. Um, I'm very excited to be able to do it. And I know that. Very important about yeah. the why. Very, yeah. Very important. So, there's a word pranayama, pranayama. So that, that people confuse with breath work because there, there are well over 500 different breathing patterns within the tradition of pranayama. Each one moves energy in its own way. Prana is not necessarily breath, it's the life force within the breath. So what you're doing with pranayama is you're, you're organizing, balancing, controlling, shaping, and directing energy. The very beginning when somebody's doing the active breath work, it can be really overwhelming. 
And people coming from the space of recovery, depending on what their substance of choice was, can really get high and like the high. We've got to move you past that place of getting enamored with the high and start to learn more about using that vibration that's moving through the body to dissolve tension patterns and to eventually learn how to actually open to the the feeling tone of love without requiring an outer stimulus. So you combine softening the body, hyperoxygenation that creates this really foregrounded, very strong essential energy resource throughout the body and beyond, and love or joy. You've learned a life skill for meeting any moment. You know, you're in a significant relationship. There are moments when you do not agree and either one's stuff gets triggered. Everything I just described about the breath work is applicable and meaningful and action-oriented in that moment. Mm. So it's really going to help relationships. It's going to help anyone that's in recovery with addiction or or with an addiction, it's going to help people, um, you know, with mild, moderate, severe cases of depression, anxiety. Um, just on the addiction, have you have you worked with many people in addiction recovery? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people in in Los Angeles area that are working in one of the programs. You know, it might not be. Uh, Drugs and alcohol, it might be sex, or it might be gambling, or it might be under-earning. Um, codependency is a big one. And frankly, I don't know anybody in this world that I've met yet who didn't move through or need to move through some addictive way of being in life. It's one of the classic imprints that conditions us as humans, some form of addiction. And my working definition from addiction is you know, it's anything that a person is unable or unwilling to stop that hurts themselves or another in some way or reduces their own or another's aliveness. Thinking, thinking is the biggest addiction I see worldwide. Believing thoughts, which are only symbolic, and then suffering the consequences of those beliefs. And then trying to medicate what one did to oneself. It's a, that is probably the best description I've ever heard for it. It starts with thought. Thought is mm. first cause. And then if we go back to the oft misunderstood and mistaught and mispracticed law of attraction, thought drives energy through the nervous system as feeling. My predominant inner feeling is attracting my circumstances and coloring my, my point of view on everything. So I want to really learn between breath body softening and excavating the space, the silent space between and around all thoughts, how to actually choose my predominant inner feeling instead of have it happen accidentally. I haven't had a bad day in decades and I've had some pretty intense circumstances. I mentioned before we started, my mom passed away from cancer in October. It was not a walk in the park, but I still haven't had a bad day. Mm. How, how do you say it's not a bad day? What? I don't it's a know. Bad day yeah. That I would put on something. Like, what makes it bad? Who says? Mm. You know, if you like imagine 
looking at a grove of trees. Find me a good tree and a bad tree. No such thing. But suddenly we go, oh, that's good people and bad people, or that's a good experience and a bad experience. Yeah. That's completely made up. Wow. My mind is is blowing. My mind is blown, I think. <laughs> uh, can we just keep integrate it <laughs> can we just keep this going for a couple of days this interview <laughs> well that's how people start doing the one-on-one work that's where the deepest work really happens is through the one-on-one you know something gets exposed it's not just an exchange of information you know like right now you're probably having body sensations along with the mind blown and then we start looking like okay well you know you, you come in with a story about your your lover and, and something that's up for you. And I said, well, find it in your body right now. Where are you feeling that in your body? No, you don't understand. Like she really blah, 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 blah. No, where is it? Where are you feeling it in your body? Great. Take a couple of breaths into there. Oh, no, stay with it. We're not going to do a story. Come on, stay with it. And then you're like, oh my gosh, Scott. I see it from another perspective. How's that possible? All I did was breathe. We didn't talk about the story and what she said because that wasn't the cause of your feeling. That was what you blamed it on. We all come into this life with a certain amount of anger, fear, sadness, doubt, you know, stuff that looks for a story to attach itself to. Your mom and dad are not the cause, nor were mine. They were the trigger for something we already had coming in with. The perfect trigger so that we could get free. And really, hopefully, in this life or another, do the work to excavate this profound, simple, dynamic energy resource that becomes everything and into which everything dissolves over and over again. Pulsation. mate as i said it's um i absolutely love the work i'm i'm on board i'm doing some one-on-ones with you for sure um now there are a couple of options for people to be able to connect with you um one is just via your website um scottschwank.com um they can also obviously find you through your socials um which are, are you running your online the online trainings run through there through your website so the Wednesday class is through Instagram stories live. Yep. The Friday class is through zoom. The best place to keep up with me um, after you've looked at the website is to stay on top of my Instagram. That's where I put updates about this is coming. That's coming. Here's the time. Here's the password like that. Perfect. So and that's a good gr- Scott Schweik. So that's, that's the perfect way to connect with Scott. Uh, Also, we do have the option for you guys to be able to get a freebie from Scott. So he actually has a a free 32-minute practice um, on the same day as you can receive a lesson with um, the Commune Summit as Deepak Chopra as well. So you're in some fine company there. Um, so there is a there is a free 32 minute practice that that Scott puts in there, which you can connect. But you also can um, you can get his uh, ecstatic ecstatic breath work um, course via that. So for anyone interested, they can head to www.onecommune. That's O-N-E-C-O-M-M-U-N-E.com forward slash mind over matter to check that out. 
Scott, thanks so much for taking the time and awakening me in in this um, past half an hour or however long we've been been chatting. I really, really appreciate it. You're doing some amazing work and you're going to help so many people, not just through this period, but um, going forward as well. So I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you. I've enjoyed it thoroughly, Luke. And just because the episode's over doesn't mean you can't continue your well-being journey. You can get access to five breathwork classes with Scott for only 49 US dollars, which includes downloadable course handouts. Fantastic value if I do not say so myself. Head over to www.onecommune, that's O-N-E-C-O-M-M-U-N-E.com forward slash mind over matter dash breathwork. That'll all be in the show notes as well. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To keep up to date with our show, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. But to get the new episodes that drop twice a week direct to your favorite podcast app, make sure you subscribe. And hey, if you love what you hear, please rate and review us. We would be so grateful. See you on the next episode. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and take the power back.